Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This is Choices, Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sit next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. All right, guys, thanks for coming back. And just like every other time, if you see something in this episode, this episode particularly that resonates with you, uh, share it out to your audience. That's all I ask. If you see something that resonates, share it to your audience. Um, also, be informed that we did just launch a website that can be that can be found at www.choicesnotchancespodcast.com. It'll it'll stream our latest videos. Uh, hopefully, cut out some of the censorship and. Um, and also, we'll have uh, new news about our guests and things of that nature uh, in there. Without further ado, tonight's special guest is uh, retired Major Fred Galvin of the United States Marine Corps. He's a uh, special operator with MARSOC, did some time with Recon prior to that. And we're going to have another episode with Fred and get into his new book, A Few Bad Men, in just a couple weeks. But... Uh, you know, just as the situation would have it, we have a we have an ongoing situation that's time pertinent that we want to bring to the audience tonight. For those of you that didn't know about it, concerning the the uh, trial for the Marsoc three, and uh, Fred's pretty read in on that way more than I am. He's been doing podcast uh, shows trying to get the information out so we can get some help to these guys. And uh, so, without further ado, Fred Galvin, thanks for coming on, sir. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. So just for, uh, for, for my viewers that maybe are completely, uh, you know, in the dark about the situation, if you could kind of unpack it, um, to, to, you know, for, for the layman, and then we can kind of divert from there. What, uh, what topics we bring up afterwards. Absolutely. To give a little background, this, uh, situation we have currently going on right now stems from an event that happened back on the 1st of January, 2019 in Erbil, Iraq, where uh, three personnel from the Marine Special Operations Command, they were uh, out with, uh, two of them were about ready to get promoted, a Marine Gunny and a Marine Chief. So all of their pay grades were the same, uh, E-7, but two were Marine Raiders and one was a Special Operations uh, Corpsman. Mm-hmm. They're all assigned to the Marine Special Operations Command. And so while they were out, they ran into a gentleman uh, who's a retired Army Green Bray, who's a contractor named Rick Rodriguez. Been a little altercation, some words exchanged earlier. So uh, the gist of it was Rick Rodriguez, who had been a Green Bray, and uh, his specialty while he was a Green Bray was medical. He uh, he felt that someone uh, like the Chief Petty Officer, the Navy Corpsman, who was junior, who was still in, he hadn't retired, was a uh, less of a status so he uh wanted him to kowtow to him and um if anybody ever knows eric gilman he's the very you know professional hat in hand doesn't agitate anything and you know you may think oh well you're biased well you just need to meet the guy before you pass judgment mm-hmm. uh, but uh eric is a you know quiet professional so and he's a he's trying to stand it down they actually get in the situation and they kick Rick Rodriguez out of the facility. And uh, so he goes outside with seven of his buddies and he's waiting for him. So uh, after a prolonged period of time, when the, um, the Marsoc three uh, head out, there's Rick Rodriguez waiting for him outside and uh, words are exchanged again. This time uh, gunnery Sergeant Danny Dreyer, one of the two Marine Raiders, um, had his hands down by his side. He's trying to de-escalate it, and Rick Rodriguez comes in and punches him in the face twice. Now, Rick Rodriguez is a 275-pound bodybuilder. You can, I don't want to make this about him because he did die, um, but he's every bit of a, a Hulk uh, mm-hmm. coming after a much smaller guy. Clocks him twice, coming in a third time. And the other Marine Raider gunnery sergeant, Josh Negron, comes in, uses one punch to neutralize the threat. And that's what anyone who's served in the Marine Corps in the last 25 years has had to go through the Marine Corps martial arts program. It took uh, the place of the former uh, line training that the Marine Corps used to have. Mm-hmm. And now this is the replacement. It's a, uh, so it's required from boot camp all the way in. You have to go through this belt system, just like in regular karate all the way up until the 
the time you get out of the Marine Corps, there's yeah. qualifications per rank. Uh, very uh, structured. It's not loosely like tribal. It's, it's very standardized. So, uh, you know, it's the mantra of the whole program is one mind, any weapon. So mm -hmm. you're training Marines to uh, defend themselves up to the point of lethal uh, procedures uh, with any weapon. It could mm -hmm. be a belt. It could be a knife. It could be a helmet. It could be anything that they can get their hands on and, and fight and attack an opponent with. And, uh, but they're supposed to be doing it. You know, another mantra is the ethical warrior. So there's a lot of uh, professional mature lessons that are taught on the use of force and violence. Uh, but it's to ensure that Marines have that combat mindset that when they are uh, attacked and there's a fight, they don't, you know, retreat, run away. There's, there's none of that. There's never a procedure where it's like, okay, in this case, run away. Mm -hmm. That's not what we train our Marines to do. So anyway, as I go back to the story, the, uh, the gunnery sergeant comes in to defend his Marines. And that's what we're trained to do. Uh, when you're overseas, you're, you get the whole riot act that if you're attacked, you are obligated to respond. Mm -hmm. If your mm -hmm. fellow unit or individual buddy is attacked, you are obligated to respond. Sure. Uh, they say that if you don't, you will be charged. Mm -hmm. uh, so in this situation, you know, the Marines, let's look at what they did and what they didn't do. Uh, and, and let's see if it falls in the category of uh, maturity from what they learned to do, or, you know, if it escalated in something beyond that. So they were attacked by someone, a larger individual, and there were seven of his buddies that surrounded him. So, mm -hmm. uh, gunnery Sergeant Josh Negron came in and neutralized the attacker. There was one person that attacked. He hit one punch. He didn't, Josh Negron was trained to utilize other weapons that are in the surrounding area. He mm -hmm. did not do that. Mm -hmm. He did not further go into like a rear naked chokehold, do any other techniques, multiple blows, use a weapon, uh, elbow, knee, fist, none of that. Mm -hmm. it, nor did the other two throw anything. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a dog pile. They also, they didn't go after any of the other seven who were there. Mm -hmm. They didn't mm -hmm. go in and, and start trying to just, you know, raise hell and take them out. Now, uh, they if, if I might, inter if I might just ask a question, um, as far as the investigation goes, did they have uh, witness statements and, and things of what actually occurred? Yes. And did. all they of that lines up with what you're saying. Yes. And as did the, you know, we talk about like a military free fall, the one eye doesn't lie. So whether you're doing something uh, in the sky or you're doing like close quarter battle, Usually those uh, training facilities uh, have a means to capture the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the participants in debriefing and after action. And that's, they, this was on a security camera and it's gone to court a couple of times. Uh, as you may have known some of this case. So this happened, like I mentioned, three and a half years ago, mm -hmm. New Year's mm -hmm. Eve, 2019, Airbnb, Iraq, um, uh, as things progressed, I mean, this is basically what most people sitting here listening to me say this is self-defense. You know, this guy came in, he started a fight and, you know, the Raiders just did what they were trained to do. Mm -hmm. They, they weren't attempting to like, Hey, uh, Josh, get this. I'll get my ass kicked. And somebody, then you come in, here's what we'll do. You come in and hit him so hard. So he falls down on that first punch and hits his head on the ground, gets knocked out, and maybe he'll die four days later. That wasn't their plan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, wasn't their plan at all, but uh, Rick Rodriguez uh, I, did fall down, hit his head. They medically treated him. Uh, mm -hmm. Chief Gilmet, the Navy medic, the corpsman, mm -hmm. came in, treated him. They immediately called in, showing uh, you know good judgment and integrity they immediately called in said hey this is what we got going on and then uh <clears throat> what did they do after that they took him back to the base where he was turned over to competent medical authorities watched and then they uh, med medically evacuated him to landstuhl germany mm -hmm. and he died four days later from complications on choking on his vomit so um was it intentional no did they do what they were trained to do yes um now let's look at what the government did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, over a year ago, 
they the government if you have a strong case in the government i'm not a sea lawyer but you just like any uh military engagement you try to attack mm -hmm. you attack mm -hmm. when it's to your advantage mm -hmm. they, they are not trying to aggressively attack so they over a year ago they tried to put a gag order and they use these words that called protective order it's just like you know the marine corps doesn't have uh Marine Corps is a, largely a conventional force, and we're not like the Navy SEALs that have a, you know, are completely separated from the rest of the Navy. And mm -hmm. you know, we operate with inside, you know, the Marine Corps. So when we have uh, things, we don't call it Hell Week mm -hmm. in the Marine Corps. We call it Beach Week. Mm -hmm. Sounds uh, <laughs> sounds less appetizing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we market it. Oh, it's Beach Week. Yeah. And uh, so similar in this case, we have a, uh, you know, these three Marines trained in Marine Corps martial arts. Uh, and, you know, they, they defend themselves and the Marine Corps likes to use this like very non-invasive words called a protective order. It's supposed to protect you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're, you're really concerned about protecting me and I can't help, but make some, you know, direct ties to the case that I was in called the MARSOC seven. This is completely different. Ours was in Afghanistan, but they put a gag order. They call that protective order. And so it was a punitive order said if myself and the other co-defendant, there was two of us that went to trial, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that if either of us said a word to the media that we would be charged. They said if our attorney said anything, the military attorneys would be charged and the civilian attorneys would be disbarred. So you use these kind of strong arm. Who Gestapo has the authority tactics. to do that? Yeah, they and, and this is what they try to do is they try to intimidate people to where you don't really know in our case, too. Uh, mm -hmm. This was a case in Afghanistan. They, you know, they pushed and they, although they didn't have the legal authority, they threatened a Marine who was legally, legally immigrated from Mexico mm -hmm. and legally naturalized as a U.S. citizen, legally joined the Marine Corps. And then they threatened to deport his mother if he didn't sign their fabricated statement. And this was Marine Corps commissioned officers who are legally not allowed to do this. This is against mm -hmm. the law. They dressed in civilian clothes, posing as NCIS, and threatened this. They did a similar tactic uh, to another Marine who was at Latino origin. They strong-armed. They, they tried to force him to take a polygraph. Uh, they can't order you to take a polygraph. They can't order anybody to self-incriminate. But they realized that if English is your second language, and the way you have to process it on a polygraph, it can likely show... I mean, uh, we do this in uh, to vet some of our sources, mm -hmm. uh, but it obviously can show deception indicated if the person has to translate it in their head. And uh, mm -hmm. but they they didn't they offered it to all 115 of us in our special operations task force, but they were aggressively going after this one marine. Uh, you know, English was his second language, so they just kept calling. He said it on the stand. If you read the book, you you hear like they just. Even on Thanksgiving Day, they just they ordered him to come in and take this polygraph, and he just had enough of it. But uh, they they also did some ethnic targeting of a third individual of uh, Egyptian descent. Uh, hmm. Just really went after him, and they they tried to take him to a non-judicial punishment afterwards. So they used this kind of thuggery to intimidate guys. And and in the case of this one, he signed their fabricated statement. That all came out on the witness stand. Um, this type of coercion by the government, the prosecutors, mm -hmm. there's been, you know, you want to know what happened, yeah. Matt and Ryan, guess here's what happened. Those prosecutors got a, got a promotion. Of course they, they did. literally got promoted from that. So, uh, I bring all this up as background because you see this same kind of thuggery going on and from headquarters Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So they, they attempted to do a gag order on the MARSOC three last year. And then here, November last year, uh, almost at the three-year mark since this has been going on, the government realizes three years, you know, we got to do something because we're probably getting some heat from Capitol Hill mm -hmm. because I've been making a stink about this myself for three and a half years mm -hmm. uh, to the media. So here's what happens. They, uh, they send this, one of the top three high, senior ranking Marine JAG, Judge Advocate General Officers, a JAG officer, mm -hmm. uh, full bird colonel. So we only have one general in the Marine Corps, Judge Advocate General uh, staff. He's a two-star general, and then from there it goes to colonel. So they send one of these thugs, Colonel Christopher Shaw from the Pentagon, 
comes down, I'm sure I'm, of course, I'm being facetious. I'm sure that Colonel Shaw with 25 years in the Marine Corps, just, just on his own, you know, no coincidence. He wasn't the made man, a wise guy or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, mobster, but he goes down to Camp Lejeune meets with eight defense attorneys, starts talking to him about uh, these high profile cases, then squares off shoulder to shoulder, looks Captain Thomas, the defense uh, attorney, military defense attorney for uh, Gunnery Sergeant Josh Negrone, looks him in the eye and says, your fitness report can protect you, but you are not shielded. He says, the colonel who sits on your promotion board, who's the staff judge advocate, he will know who you are and you are not shielded. So threatens this guy's career for doing his job. You know, they're obligated mm-hmm. to, to do the best they can for their client. So he compromised the case. And right as this is going to trial, you know, they, you know, his, uh, his attorney has to tap out and say, hey, I can't ethically represent him. So, you know, the, the government has their attorneys for the first th- over three years. That whole, you know, cohesion, they, they keep that. And they take uh, Chief Gilmet, the guy who treated uh, mm-hmm. Rick Rodriguez. They take him to trial first in uh, in February. In on February 9th, the Navy judge dismisses his case with prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody, that was this pretty big victory. Unfortunately, on June 29th, almost a month ago, uh, the government. Uh, had a hearing in Washington, D.C.'s Navy Yard to appeal uh, that verdict in an effort to come back after Chief Gilman. So, Which is why they would drop it with prejudice, right? Because that well, means they you, can pick it back uh, up, right? Dismiss a case with prejudice, you're you're usually that, that kills the case. But to the Marine Corps, that was not what they wanted. They, they want to go after these guys. So, mm. you know, America, if you care about your military, everybody says, you know, thank you for your service. Here's a chance to do something without spending any of your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go on, do a web search, www.congress.gov forward slash members, contact your member of Congress. I'm going to give you a minute and I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. So uh, you can go get a pen and paper, please. And I'm going to tell you how to actually use the correct words. Uh, so I'll give you a minute and I'll come back to this. But uh, anyway, so the there was a separate trial the thursday before uh chief gilman's on the 29th of uh, december chief had his on a uh, 29 june last month mm-hmm. but the other two marine gunnery sergeants were tried and uh they're they're all three from those two different cases awaiting their verdict this was uh this will be a verdict from a military judge there was no jury so i've you know i served in the marine corps for 26 years 10 months and 19 days and then i went back after I retired, I served four more years as a civilian in the Marine Corps. I've never known a Marine Corps officer to take more than a month for a decision on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, in the civilian court, they said it's a the longest, the shortest decision by a jury or, or trial by a judge is like 14 minutes. And then it's a hundred and it's a hundred in the teens for the longest. They're mm-hmm. usually not that long. Mm-hmm. The judge comes back out. I mean, I'm not trying to compare it to Judge Judy or something, but it's, it's usually a swift. I mean, our legal process is supposed to be a speedy trial. And yep. when you have like a capital offense case hanging over your head for three and a half years, I can't imagine what happened to these guys. Let me explain this too for you, Ryan. Um, all three of them, security clearances revoked. Uh, all three of them relieved of their duties. Mm-hmm. All three of them, all their proficiency pays, which adds up. It's like almost a thousand bucks completely stripped you look at this uh colonel what did no he still enjoys he's still up at the pentagon working for headquarters marine corps uh still has his security clearance still enjoys his uh extra pay that he gets for being an attorney none of that's you know so it's this whole Mm -hmm. different spanks for different ranks two-tier justice system Mm -hmm. and i hope your listeners realize what i'm talking about is not conjecture or hearsay this now you got your pen and paper this is what I want you to write down. And I will, I'm asking the listeners to write this down so they can go back and 
contact their member of Congress. Again, that is at www.congress.gov forward slash members and ask, do a little research about the MARSOC 3, that's M-A-R-S-O-C 3. And if you type in the uh, Google search for uh, G-I-L-M-E-T, that's a Gilmet, the last name of the Navy chief, uh, and type in after that UCI, that's for Unlawful Command Influence, and you'll be able to read a few recent articles about this case and how it was dismissed and how the government's still going after him and the other two special operators in this case. So, um, but I'd ask that you contact your member of Congress, your district congressman or woman, and then your two uh, U.S. senators uh, that represent you and ask that they coordinate with the Justice for Warrior Caucus, which is led by Congressman Louis Gohmert of Texas. Um, he has represented several other warriors, but he's representing uh, he's fighting and he has fought for several years now. Unfortunately, it's gone on for years. Uh, the MARSOC 3. Uh, he has a military legislative assistant. When you call his office, you can ask the Washington, D.C. office. Um, the military legislative assistant is Derek Miller. Uh, so if you uh, contact them and say, hey, I am urging you to join shoulder to shoulder with Congressman Louis Gohmert and have this case dismissed. Uh, we have these types of cases because the people don't stand up for mm -hmm. truth and for justice. Mm -hmm. uh, here's your chance to do that. Uh, if you really want to know what the character of these men are like, I know them and they have all joined the military after we were attacked on 9-11. Mm -hmm. All they've known was combat. They have served in the most elite units in the Marine Corps, serving in both force reconnaissance and in Marine Special Operations from one combat zone to the next, from Iraq to Syria to Afghanistan. Uh, the Marine who was assaulted twice and coming in was going to take it a third time if Josh Negron hadn't uh, stepped in and, and done what he was trained to do. You know, he was wounded in action. He's got a Purple Heart. He's been awarded for heroism. Uh, He's a bronze you know, star, a calm V. Uh, I believe it's a bronze star. Mm -hmm. um, so, but let's, let's take the what ifs. Some people think like, no, but let's for a minute consider what ifs. What if uh, Josh Negron hadn't stepped in mm -hmm. and a 275 pound guy just beat him into the ground? We all know uh, in the Marine Corps, you get punished if your buddy just gets crushed like that. You just stand by and mm -hmm. be indifferent and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Marine Corps teaches. They don't teach in Marine Corps martial arts to run away or scream or slap or blow a rape whistle. They teach you to fight back mm -hmm. and to use. And this is the thing that they don't only just teach you this in the Marine Corps martial arts program, but ever since the Marine goes to boot camp or if he's an officer, he goes off to Canada school. But these guys went to boot camp and all the schools afterwards and especially in special operations they teach you that marines only destroy what's necessary mm -hmm. that's an axiom of the marine corps you know whether you're a sniper or you're a explosive breacher or a military breacher they say you're only using as much force is what's required to defeat the threat mm -hmm. uh, and that's what they did mm -hmm. again they didn't go after and dogpile and go over the top and do anything else you know that is excessive mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. one punch one punch to the face, stop the threat. They immediately treated them. And now look what we have. So the greater implication, let's just ask yourself, if you were out tonight with your family or your friends and you were attacked or your wife or your loved one or your kids were attacked, hmm. and is this verdict, if it, if it goes to convict these Marines, is that going to make you hesitate or think or do anything differently than if someone larger than you uh, and you were surrounded by multiple opponents uh, is that going to put some thought in your head not to act, not to defend? That is the greater question that we as Americans need to do. And, and what in the world are we even doing in a war zone if you get attacked and you guys are going to get punished if they respond at all? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Again, we don't teach anything to do lesser. Uh, we don't do name calling. There's there's none of that. And it, actually, that's that's ridiculous to even consider that because that's not how we train our United States Marines. This is the case that we have right now. Uh, what I've said is not embellished. It is, it is the facts. Mm -hmm. I mean, all three of these Marines serve their entire adult life as 
Marines, and they went on to serve in these elite units as commandos. Um, they knew how to kill, and that was not what it was intended. Mm-hmm. They used the minimal, the least amount to to stop a a drunk 275-pound guy from coming in and attacking somebody in the face for a third strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't ever teach our Marines to just sit there and take it. Um, but that is the role, in my opinion, you see from the case that uh, I was involved in, the role of an officer is uh, in the fight is to regulate the violence, to make sure that things don't get out of control. Mm-hmm. I would say in this case, they didn't get out of control. The violence was regulated. The other role of an officer is when, you know, there's some gray area with your men is you stand up and you absorb the, the pain. Mm-hmm. You take the heat. You don't let your men come down, but how come there's none, nobody standing in the, you know, in the fold and saying, stop, you know, this yeah, isn't, I would, uh, I would, I would go as far as to say the shame on you and you're a coward if you're anywhere in the rank structure that was leveraged into uh, helping the conviction or the charges stick to these guys. And I hope that burns when you hear it because, you know, it should burn. You're going to leave your guys out there to hang. And uh, like, like what you're talking about, about as far as people falsifying statements and, and lawyers quitting, it's like grow a pair and stand up, be a Marine and say, I will not do this. This is illegal what you're doing, sir. And I'm going to go straight to USA today and I'm going to let them know about it before you can even put a gag order on me. I mean, do this. And and we seen what happened, you know, recently with Colonel Scheller and, and, and they'll go right at your, your throat. They'll go at your mental health. Um, when it's something that goes counter to their narrative, uh, big Marine Corps, and I'm not even completely convinced they're not tied in with the regular media because when stuff that they don't want to be on the media, it doesn't get there. Um, well, that's a key point. Like in our case, the MARSOC seven, we had the longest trial in Marine Corps history, war crimes mm-hmm. trial for what happened in Afghanistan. And every time we had a defense witness, not even somebody who was an eyewitness, I'm talking defense witnesses with any exculpatory evidence mm-hmm. to include character witnesses. Mm-hmm. I had several Marine colonels, uh, you know, had been former commanding officers at force recon when we went into Iraq had mm-hmm. not been to Afghanistan, had several uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit commanders that uh, had not been to Afghanistan or were not in Afghanistan with us when this happened. They were there to provide character witnesses. What's the big deal? How come you saw the media you know, provide one side of the story, but you didn't hear any of their names mm-hmm. at all? Mm-hmm. Because what they did in our case, they took those colonels, or I'm sorry, they took the uh, media completely out of the courtroom again during all defense witness, you know, mm-hmm. testimony. Now, so who who is it? Who, at what level do you have the authority to do that? So that's called the convening authority. In our case, it started out with Lieutenant General Mattis. Mm-hmm. He's the mad dog Mattis that everybody knows and respects. But when you really get to know him and you see, like, do you think that? <clears throat> a bunch of Marine Corps field grade officers. I'm talking two majors, a, a full bird colonel, just decided to go in there and wear civilian clothes. And uh, you ever see the movie Departed where Mark Wahlberg goes in there and tries to, you know, strong arm him and, mm-hmm. you know, it's Hollywood and he gets away with it. But this is a, uh, this is real. You know, so you you're think saying those, that two JAG lawyers put plain yeah. plain clothes on and posed as yeah. NCIS completely against the law. Yeah, and, and so that was one of the a knot to yeah go, yeah yeah hundred percent doing them up, hand them a bat figuratively. I mean, you don't do something like and that. And these just, people haven't they, been charged. Like we, this is out in the open. We can confirm that this happened. And these people haven't been charged with impersonating a law enforcement officer or anything like that. Well, they all got promoted. Yeah, they all they got promoted. Charged, they got rewarded they for it, which makes you understand. You know, how did they get away? You read a few the book, A Few Bad Men, which was just published. It came out last month. And you read chapter 28 and how they all, they didn't just get away with it. They got promoted for this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that happened by accident that they all, all these guys, what they did was treason. Mm-hmm. You know, that traders do that kind of stuff by throwing no one. I mean, 
30 of us who were on that patrol that got blown up, shot at from both sides of the road, taking sniper fire. They pulled a vehicle across the road as an obstacle blocking us in. Um, and they had our sworn testimony. They had my polygraph. And they totally dismissed that. And they, you know why they believed the Afghans and that Taliban controlled village right on that border of Afghanistan, Pakistan. I mean, obviously we couldn't go in Pakistan. So that became a training sanctuary because mm -hmm. we couldn't go there. Mm -hmm. So they bring these fully radicalized foreign fighters over there. They get them all juiced up, ready to conduct jihad. They bring them over right across the border on the paved highway that the United States funded. What do you think's on that first little village inside Afghanistan? Well, that think of a Amazon fulfillment center. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's a big distribution or logistics node where they link up with their handlers and they go out to Kandahar, Kabul, Sangin, and get their jihad on all over Afghanistan to kill infidels. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we go into this town and they, they they take the word of the Afghan locals in this Taliban-controlled village that said that we were drunk, that there was no car bomb, that the Marines used slingshots and hand grenades. Uh, have you guys, you were in the military, did you ever hear about a technique of using a slingshot mm -hmm. with a live hand grenade? Nope. Uh, you know, pull the pin and let, let's uh, put it in a slingshot and see how who in the right mind would ever believe any of that, that we were drunk at nine o'clock. I mean, we left at six o'clock in the morning, but if we got drunk at six o'clock and this is what they're, I mean, it's just so ludicrous. Anybody that knows myself, I was on the patrol, but mm -hmm. you think you ever seen a patrol, I mean, hammering down booze in Afghanistan, never once. six o'clock in the morning. And if, if so, I mean, if you leave, it's, I mean, it's just, it doesn't, but that's what the Marine Corps wanted to believe. Yeah. That's what I mean, it's filled like, their narrative. You, yeah. Ryan, do you honestly believe that I'm talking people who plan the withdrawal from Afghanistan? These aren't uh, the B team. These aren't brand new guys that was directed to happen by the Pentagon. People think, you know, we really messed and fumbled that up. I ain't going to relate this. So I'm going to diverge to converge here, okay. but let me, if you bear with me for just a second, because I'm going to show you how ludicrous it also is to think that this was just accidental and unplanned. So we've been a part of the Marine Corps. We Marines are known to go out on ships. And one of the key missions that we do is non-combatant evacuation operations. Mm -hmm. that the, that's what happened in Kabul. So we look at, you always have the Marine Corps. One of the key tenants is one is none. So you don't have just one, but you're identified with the Department of State because they're the the diplomatic mission there, mm -hmm. different airfields or seaports, but we don't have seaports in Afghanistan. So they call these a airfields, A-pods. So you're looking at multiple ones because you don't want to have it degraded down to just one. Uh -huh. uh, this is doctrinal for the Marine Corps. So you work with that embassy's Department of State official. He's called the regional security officer, he or she. And they developed this plan. It's been in existence forever, but it's always to um, seize these airfields and provide security. So the Marines go in first. Mm -hmm. What happened in our case? They moved the Marines out. People say, no, the Marines were there. No, they first moved them out. Then they had to send them back in. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this whole fumble, I'm going to tell you how these Marines follow doctrine. You plan a mission and you do it according to a doctrine. So why'd they pull them out? Is it accidental? No, it was intentional. Uh, there, when you fly into Washington, D.C., whether it's Reagan or whether it's Dulles, and you see the names on the tops of the buildings around the intelligence community there or around the Pentagon, those are who benefits from war. And mm -hmm. when the president says, hey, I want you out, they're going to tell him, hey, this tail wags the dog. Mm -hmm. You think you're the commander in chief? We're going to show you because we love war and, you know, we're going to embarrass you for ruining our party. This is the no general left behind program. We wanted this thing to go on forever. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happened? You saw it. You know, the first thing that you do is you seize and provide security at those airfields. Then the next thing you do is you triage and you process American citizens who are category one. They're the first to go out mm -hmm. and then Afghanistan. So what did you see on every major news channel? You saw plane loads of Air Force C-17s with Afghans, not Americans. Mm -hmm. Afghans were the first to go out with Afghans like jumping on the sides of the aircraft, running down the tarmac. I mean, it was completely opposite. And then the Marines went back in after that. Mm -hmm. And then they provided security and uh, at the worst possible airfield. And then after that, 
they started rounding up American citizens. Yeah. Like they didn't know that this was coming for over a year. So uh, that wasn't accidental. And then left and the them. I, hmm. Yeah. So just like Colonel Shaw that went down to Camp Lejeune and squared off with Captain Thomas, do you think a colonel with 25 years doesn't know any better mm-hmm. to have a conversation like that? And uh, I would think so. Yeah. But he knew. And it's not accidental. He didn't. The chance of him, the likelihood of him doing that voluntarily as an accident and making such stupid remarks is probably zero. Yeah. Somebody you said, know, hey, you need to go down to Camp Lejeune and you need to fix this right now. That's exactly what yeah. they did. Well, when the case is weak. I mean, it's going on for three years, you know, a month shy of three years at that point. Here's here's the way to like, hey, we got one general spot. You interested in it, Colonel Shaw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's uh let's see. And they handed him the figure to bat. Mm-hmm. You know what to do. Uh, we don't have made men in the Marine Corps. That's not how it's supposed to be. But it's supposed well, to be based on merit and honor. That's one of the questions from a viewer. Is like, um, <laughs> what is the motivation? In your case or this Marsoc 3 case, what is, like, it's already tragic. People are already getting shot up, blown up in your case. In this case, it's already a, a situation where somebody's dead. Um, what is the motivation from upper echelon Marine Corps to punish their own people this way? Yeah. Like, like in a no matter what, we're going to get them kind of a way. Like, yeah. not what does the evidence say. And like, because... If I'm a commander and this is my guys, I'm going, no, this is clearly self-defense, sir. What what are we doing? What We got to pump the brakes. Time out for a second. The guy came up and punched him twice. It was one blow back. He hit his head. This is extremely unfortunate, and I'm sure that the guys are sorry. Um, but he, they didn't start this fight. No. Instead, they dogpile these guys, and I don't understand the motivation for that. It's the same as I wouldn't understand the motivation for, say, like a first sergeant after going on an appointment with a bunch of, you know, his guys being political about how he awarded them. I don't understand right. that. I would think that's like a badge of honor beats your chest because you got these guys taken care of and awarded in the way in which they should have been awarded. Damn yeah. what everybody else thinks. It's like that same line of thinking. What is the motivation to hurt these yeah. guys? Yeah. I'll put it in real simple terms that you understand. Uh, recruit training. Let's go back to boot camp, okay? I don't know if it still goes on, but uh, when I went to boot camp, the drill instructors sometimes will march one platoon into other platoon, and uh, it's for unit purposes of unit cohesion. Mm-hmm. You're never supposed to allow somebody to break ranks. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a method to control your unit. Mm-hmm. And at a higher level with officers, you know, they, they have a similar mindset in a different realm, it's not marching a platoon into a platoon, but if you break ranks, it's about power and control and it's about having absolute power. And there's never anything good when you have absolute power. We're not a, a country that has or wants a monarchy. Mm-hmm. And if you break ranks, so I essentially in the Marine Corps broke ranks and I've been, you know, the figurative black sheep for doing it. Um, I know people, know who Stu Scheller is. He went on Facebook years before that. I I fought the Marine Corps in court uh, on Capitol Hill. I mean, I retired and started to tell our side of the truth. Uh, used legislation, House Resolution 21 in the 115th Congress. Had a petition went out there. And basically, the Marine Corps has this like manuals on campaigning. And I launched a campaign. Uh, to clear our Marines' names. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you break ranks from the senior officers. Uh, you know, you will you will be disbarred and disavowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they will not want you. I'm not going to get a Christmas letter from the Marine Corps. I'll never be. And I don't, honestly, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm not going to be a made man and I'm not going to bow down. And unfortunately, um, you see a lot of, officers and a lot of enlisted Marines, they get to a certain level and they have a comfortable life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they realize this is a pretty good life. I got a wife and a kid and 
They don't want to take that risk. So when it's time to take a stand, a tough stand, and you've seen some of these guys, especially in places like when Marines are stationed in Hawaii or California and they get uh, financially committed far beyond what they should be mm-hmm. and couldn't can sustain, mm-hmm. you know, if they, if they're, you know, put to pasture, it, the game's over. And when, especially when their wives love places like California, North Carolina, or Hawaii, some pretty good stations for some of these guys, um, they get comfortable and they won't stand. And that's what's happening right now with Marsoc three. Some people think, you know, I may be making this up and, and other people who may be in the Marine special operations command are offended by what I say, but I'm just saying, take a good, honest assessment. Tell me one officer who's publicly stood up on active duty and said any of this for, in support of the, these guys. No, most of them are, multiple. most of them are slaves to the system. Like you say, they're slaves yeah. to the money and they know that, you know, they, they watched what happened with Scheller recently. Uh, if they if they didn't need reminded, they're going to lock you up, tell you that you're crazy, put a put a hit out on your name, silence yep. you on social media, put a gag order on you. Yeah, that's yep. scary. It's scary stuff, yep. but it's you know it's by design that they got these guys by the short and curlies because they're uh, control. Yeah, they got the control of their money and control of their life, but yep. it does not Especially, make it right. Yeah, the difference in the uh, United States military legal system is in the civilian world if there's a jury trial instead of a, just a judge the jury doesn't have somebody over them that has any say in their and job what, retention, in their future yeah their job promotion their next assignment but this marsoc case um you know this was a hearing and if it goes to a court martial this is going to i mean their charge is scheduled to go to general court martial which if they're charged that's the most severe mm-hmm. it can carry the death penalty that major hassan Nadal, the former major uh that did the fort hood shooting he was sentenced to death so for any of those you think like ah it's a procedure we're going through the same it's like pine boxes is a is a consequence here you know mm-hmm. we're not talking uh some minor infraction uh they're going after all three to include uh gunnery sergeant Danny Dreyer, who was, was assaulted, assaulted. Yeah. for homicide. And he's, you know, the media sadly doesn't want to cover this. I mean, he was African American here, wasn't he? I shouldn't say he was. He is. He's a black man. The media doesn't want to cover that he was hit twice by somebody physically stronger, numerically outnumbered, and he didn't even fight back. He was just hit, struck twice, coming in a third time. They don't want to cover that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, why? The, why? The why would mainstream media not cover that? Well, is, is the, the Marine Corps thing. in that same ear? Yeah. Well, let me tell you because, like, I know Stu Scheller had said, like, "Hey, I've tried to go to the the left side of the media. They won't. They don't care." No. I've been at this game for fifteen and a half years, and you know, the, there's one side of the media that doesn't want to cover it at all. They mm-hmm. look at the military as uh, traditionally minded, and they're not going to have anything to do with it. So you're not going to have a voice on that side of, you know, the, you know, the public, uh, mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. will not. And I, you know, why I'm sure just it's, it's not it's their narrative or are they owned? Well, it's, it's the latter. And so here's why. So we're going to go to war. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. Although the treaty that we had to defend Taiwan, uh, that has time expired. Mm-hmm. But as I went back and said, the, you know, they look at the names around the Pentagon and Langley. Though they want to go to war, we're yeah. gonna have a war. I mean, this fifty-eight billion dollars. War is a racket. Yeah, your war is a racket. That fifty-eight billion that we, you know, gave for weapons to Ukraine, that's that's couch change mm-hmm. compared to what Taiwan. You know, China views Taiwan as they're gonna have a reunification. Yeah, they're training right now in larger scope, and. They to do these amphibious operations. They're doing them off the east coast of China right now. Yep. And they are going to push those 96 miles across the Straits of Taiwan. And there's the only way to do anything is we're going to have to dislodge them. Meaning, we're going to do airborne and amphibious operations where tens of thousands of Americans die. It's super expensive. We will launch so many missiles, and the owners, the the boards of directors, that's their big payday. 
yeah it's time to they, pay daddy that's when it starts to rain mm-hmm. and they have no morals it's what no wonder they, that these same guys are the same ones that come out of general positions and into Raytheon and GD uh, and and all the all the rest of them. The No General Left Behind program. Where did General Mattis come from and go to? General when Dynamics. he retired, he was on four boards. One of them is General Dynamics. Yep. When he when Trump fired him, and went right back to General Dynamics. Yep. Where did the last chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Dunford, go? Lockheed Martin, the nation's largest you know defense firm. Where did this current Secretary of Defense come from? Uh, after he was retired for Star General from Raytheon. Mm-hmm. So it's Imagine uh, that. The three top dogs in the weapons manufacturing yeah. business are the ones running yeah. these hit campaigns on their own Marines that sacrificed yeah. for the last 20 years for them. It's interesting. By the way, uh, Rick Rodriguez, who, you know, without any malice or intention from the MARSOC 3, uh, died. You know, he was a contractor with Lockheed Martin nation's mm-hmm. largest defense contractor. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like I go back to, you know, comparing it to the civilian world and some people are like, Oh, you can't really do it. Well, why in the civilian world? That's, that is a justice system, but it's uninfluenced. The convening authority, like I mentioned what general Mattis did in our case, you know, you have 45 criminal investigators and four prosecuting attorneys dogpiling on seven. And they narrowed it down to two of us. Mm-hmm. They, they put a gag order on us. They, they threatened, Marines, uh, you know, did this ethnic targeting and then they moved the media out of the courtroom, had this one sided narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mm-hmm. used a procedure called a court of inquiry. Read, read the book, A Few Bad Men. And, and when you get to the back of it, you're like, how did they get away? I mean, I have movie producers, lawyers. I had, uh, you know, Steve Bannon just saying, how did they get away with it? Trust me, this happened. It's a nonfiction case. It's happening right now to the MARSOC 3. Mm-hmm. It's just the media, the mainstream media won't cover any of it. Let, uh, me, let me ask you this. Let's pretend for a second that we get through this and all these guys are found not guilty. Um, do they back pay them for all the rank that they've lost over the last three years and the special operations pay that they lost over the last three years? Because they're not going to be able to fulfill like uh, any monetary value for the shame that they put on them that was unnecessary and the loss of time. Like, are, are they prepared to do that if these guys lose or are they going to con- well, completely they be ostracized? Probably will, they'll probably give them the promotions that uh, been on hold for three and a half years, but back pay uh, will come most likely. And I'm not the uh, convening authority, but they'll probably get back paid from what they would have made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the proficiency pay, they'll probably argue that we had to they make sure operating. that your actions were ethical and you, you technically didn't jump out of airplanes or blow things up or yeah because don't you so, have to stay proficient yearly yeah. like annually so all they had to do is and, let their cert run out and never send them back to a recall and the, and they can cut their pay that way right and so the the horrible thing is when they take them out they they not only get the pay stopped but technically by the order like if you don't you know dive every six months or if you don't jump every quarter you get your proficiency pay for that cut Mm -hmm. but if you don't do it for three years you have to re-qualify you have to go back to marine combatant dive school which people who've been in for these guys are coming up on their 20 year mark some of them are over it but uh that's not an easy course to go through no not even they don't have some like gentleman's course you know for old guys you know that's uh technically you have to go through the whole thing again Mm -hmm. um and usually that's only gun decked and winged for uh, officers and stuff. They usually don't. That's where the, the two-tier justice system um, is just wrong. And a lot of our senior Marine Corps leaders, you know, they, I've seen these trolls go out on social media and they do some hating on me. Because they're like, oh, you know, an officer is actually a retired officer, one of their own. I wasn't just one of their own. Before you know, reconnaissance was a occupational specialty for officers. They, they always would say, don't ever go long, go and stay very long at a reconnaissance unit. You're an infantry officer. It'll destroy your career. Mm -hmm. That's what I went to go do when it was dangerous for other people to stand up and just career wise, Mm -hmm. you know, just Mm -hmm. careerism. Mm -hmm. Others wouldn't do that. And I'm not beating my chest. I'm just saying I've, I've got more time in, in the hell holes of the world and doing the dirty work than, than these current guys ever had. Most mm-hmm. of these guys came over 
most of the senior officers, I should say, my peers came over uh, and tried to dodge all the all the heavy tax up front. Mm. There's a few guys, I know, and and you know who you are if you're listening to this. Uh, there's a few guys that went the old-fashioned way, uh, whether they came up as enlisted and became an officer or they came in as an officer and they spent some time in the community, but most of them didn't. Most of them didn't even want to go to the schools. Mm-hmm. When they uh, gave the Marine Corps the, the little Raider badge, there's 150 of them, the ominous dominus. And the majority of you, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's supposed to say they did special reconnaissance or direct action. Most of those guys in the 150, that they just ominous dominus on the on the officer side, never, you know, it's, it's embarrassing that we just gave that away because that's not what the seals or green berets did. Like, Oh yeah, I think you did it. You're my mm-hmm. pal. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the people that came in the community at the start of Marsoc, that's why I wanted to get out of there after our case because they were just so fat and unfit and morally unfit. And it was just the most pathetic thing I'd ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. They opened the floodgates. Mm-hmm. It was not the force reconnaissance, which, we used to have six platoons on in our organization on paper on both coasts and three in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. We would only fill five because we wanted the quality. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to have another platoon with, especially with an officer that didn't. Have, so, I mean, you're talking, you know, five spots for an entire division of Marine infantry. Uh, the standard was very high. True. Now they have like, 10 times as many. I mean, here's an organization pushing 3,000. At that time, we had, there was the actual operators of a trained force reconnaissance, um, East Coast, West Coast, and in Okinawa, Japan, was 300 guys in the actual formations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not trying to underestimate or diminish what guys are doing in MARSOC, but I'm just saying the quality of officers where are you now in standing up for these guys mm-hmm. who come out and take a stand? You know, most yeah, of guys I would, I would challenge any of them that are involved in the situation and been quiet this long, like better late than never, but, years. but like refine your integrity and step up for these guys, damn the money and damn the system and make them take it from you. Uh, yeah. Easy to say for me sitting here, but. I, never yeah, a lot in my career, never hooked. in my life have I have I hung a Marine out to dry like this, like some of the yeah. ways that I've seen it happen recently. Yes. So there has to be a complete overhaul of our military and our military justice system. It's broken right now. When uh, we see that as we're gearing up, everybody's calling it the near peer, um, you know, this, this competition that's going to go down in the Straits of Taiwan there in the East China Sea. We're going to have tens of thousands, not you know, we lost 7,000 in Iraq and Afghanistan just over. This is going to be, you know, right out of the gates. That's going to be the casualty, you know, the first few days. And I'm not making light of it or joking. That's the facts. That's what we're planning for. Um, we can't be led by incompetent commanders. Yeah. We have a moral hazard when you allow this type of cancer to metastasize. And that's just what it's doing. You look at why America's parents don't want to send their sons and daughters hmm. into the military right now. Why there's just about two, just over two months left in this fiscal year. And the army hasn't even met 50% of the recruiting goals. And their cure is we'll just lower the standards. What would you have your 18 year old son come in right now? Well, I don't have an 18 year old son, but it would, I understand hypothetically your son's that, 18. What do you tell him when he says, I yeah. want to join the Marine Corps? Yeah, it's changed so radically. I mean, how could somebody get, it's not the Marine Corps that people knew. Mm-hmm. And I know somebody, uh, a good friend of mine, he served in the Force Reconnaissance Community, and he's a legend, went on to serve in other uh, more elite units than in uh, Force Reconnaissance and Marine Special Operations. His son uh, graduated the Naval Academy, was an F-35 pilot. They sent him to a board of inquiry to, and he's been separated to get, he got kicked out of the Marine Corps after flying the most advanced aircraft in our arsenal. Uh, 15 years of service, Marine Corps major, because he didn't take the vaccine. Um, I know another guy, the same thing, uh, got out in the 20-year mark, or 21 years, Marine. He was in our Fox company in uh, the MARSOC 7 case. Uh, got a commission eventually. From, went from a uh, sergeant in our company, got promoted all the way up to Gunny, got a commission. 
and uh, retired as a major. And uh, but he said uh, he's not going to serve another day. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, you see what our chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Miley, you see what Secretary of Defense, you know, Lloyd Austin, are saying about the biggest threat in our military is white male extremism. Mm-hmm. They're trying to divide our country. And we all served in the military, uh, the three of us on this call. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Have you ever seen been in a formation where you've seen somebody in bed sheets? Or for those of us that have did personality targeting for a career and you've identified who the key leaders are, how they are organized, who they communicate to, how what means they use for communication, how they're armed, where they're located. Let's just see if if you're gonna spew that false hatred you know, from the Pentagon and say, this is our biggest threat. <clears throat> who, who are these leaders? Identify them. Mm-hmm. Where are they located? Mm-hmm. If they're in our military. They shouldn't be hard. I mean, how are they communicating? Yeah. Com- I, I completely agree. For the last year and a half of this administration without any evidence. So don't open your mouth unless you got some incontrovertible facts. Right. Um, but, well, I, you know, I just is, assumed they were falling back on like the SS campaign from years ago. But even then, and, and, and am I am I saying that I don't think there's any racist behavior that happens in the Marine Corps or in the military? I'm not saying that. I'm saying to say that it's the number one um, biggest threat threat, the biggest threat to our to our service. I, I would argue to say that the command is the biggest threat to our service right now. Yeah. They're denigrating their own service at the behest of people that um, can't even vote a proper budget to give us ammo in a year. And like yeah. that's who you who they're cowtailing to. And it's interesting. I, I had a while back. I had Lieutenant Colonel retired Jonathan Myers on, and we covered his book American to the Core. But he said the same thing. He said these guys are just they get to a place where. Um, Yes is the only answer because it's your career and then it becomes political. And uh, he he said, you you know, there's political interplay all the way coming up as an officer. But uh, but once you hit that general staff level, it's like play or you're gone. Yeah. And we've made that like uh, we've built that in to our institution that anybody with, uh, you know, a bad mark or went against command or uh, maybe had a questionable you're never going to see a star. It's only going to be Game the over. guys that always pleased their bosses over yeah. and over and over. And, and and like you said, they're getting promoted for making those those uh, yeah. those acts. So, um, guys, if you're listening out there, please help us do something about this. I'm going to make my calls and my emails as soon as I get this podcast together. I'm going to get it out to you uh, asap and uh, and 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 take the time. Pause the podcast, write the information down uh, that Fred's given us here. Make your calls out to your senators and your members in Congress and make this complaint. We're taking some of the best and most elite warriors that have sacrificed their entire youth uh, for this country, and they're not, do- they're not being done right. And that, that's, that's the bottom line. And it's happening over and over, and it's going to continue to happen. It's going to continue to denigrate our forces to a point that when this Taiwan thing goes down, we're going to be in real trouble. Um, thank you for coming out, Fred. Thank you for uh, for sharing um, the MARSOC 3. Uh, I'm going to take the links and stuff and put them on my website, too. So if you guys go to www.choicesnotchancespodcast.com, you're going to be able to view this episode in its entirety as well as i'm going to plug links in uh from the links that were described here with information on how you can get in contact with your representatives make it stupid easy that way all you got to do is a couple clicks away and then and then air your grievances uh fred any last words to the audience before we get off the hook here yes time and action we need to execute now and we need to take very precise action so what we mentioned as far as contacting your members of Congress right now, having them taking a stand for the MARSOC 3. So just educate yourself a little bit about this case. Like I mentioned, there's plenty of things out there in the media. Uh, know the facts on it and uh, have them join shoulder to shoulder with Congressman Louis Gilmert of Texas uh, via his uh, military legislative ass- assistant, which is Derek Miller. Uh, have them do that as soon as you can. And if you can't get in touch with them, November's right around the corner. Get rid of them. Don't vote for anyone that won't give you the time of day to talk about, you know, the, one of the few things that says our federal government's 
designed to do, and that's to provide for our national defense. If they don't have time for that, I don't care. That's not the person that needs to be representing you. Here's your check. You know, if you want to know who to vote for, find somebody to listen to your voice right now. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that will that will listen and, and take action. But if they don't have time for this, uh, they're they're probably trying to raise campaign money, and who knows, you know, what other kind of crooked uh, endeavor they're in. But uh, stand, take a stand right now is your opportunity to, to affect the lives of three good men, uh, the Marsoc three. So thank you very much again. Appreciate it. Fred Galvin, everybody. Hey, just to echo that before we get out, guys, take action right now. Do it right now. Get on your website right now. Get on your computer right now. Write it down and get these get these uh, requests moving. Uh, these guys don't have much longer, and the more pressure we can apply, uh, the better. I'd also say this. If nothing else, if you do nothing else when you got to this point in the podcast and you can't bring it to yourself to, to contact anybody, you don't have time, just go to the bottom over there and click that share button. Click that share button and get this message out to your your audience, your pages, and and let them help help these Marsoc three, these warriors that have put it all on the line for their country, uh, that are getting done uh, done dirty and having the rug pulled out from under them. All right, guys, I appreciate you coming out. Like I said, like, share, comment, go to the uh, go to the web pages and get this message out there. Share it to your crowd. For choices, not chances. Matt, you got anything? Matt's good. All right, guys. Just want to say thank you. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny. Yeah. Yeah.